huge roller coaster journey. Um, first things first, my my wife and business partner kind of kicked the, the the business off, so I've got to give her massive credit. Stephanie Murphy, I'm sure at some point you'll get to meet her as well. And um, at that point in time, we had just moved back from Sydney to the UK. I I'm British, and Steph is uh, Australian, so. I, uh, I took her away from the sunshine, you know, but um, it, it, it's been worthwhile because we definitely didn't have the business in Australia that we've got here now. So we're grateful for what the UK has done for us. And essentially, it's a very, you know, it started off a very normal, ordinary, run-of-the-mill story. You know, we, we essentially were in a place where we were kind of having the bills pile up and we were struggling to, to keep up and we realized that the little bit of savings that we had, if we kept going the way we were going, it was going to dry up. And, um, and then it was into the negative, you know, and I'm, I'm sure at some point you, you felt that pain and, uh, and gone through that. And so a friend of ours kind of floated this idea with us uh, of, um, of what in the UK is called rent to rent and in, in the USA rental arbitrage. And so we were really interested in this concept because Stephanie's got a interior styling background and I've always loved property. We own property in Sydney. And so we, we, we were really drawn to this, this whole concept and the whole idea of being able to leverage a property that you don't own and monetize it. And so we just thought, look, we've got to give this a go. We've got to, we've got to have a crack. So we, um, we decided that we were going to put the money that we had, 5,000 pounds and 10,000 pounds uh, know, that we took out from a loan, and we used this money to get started. We got two units. And these two units by month two were already cash flowing at 500 pounds. What's up, everybody? My name's Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What is up, E? My brother... It's good to see your face. I've heard your voice for the past 24 hours, um, which I'm not complaining, right? Um, if you don't know Clubhouse, we just did a 24-hour Clubhouse um, with all of our friends from all around the globe. Um, our guest is one of them. Um, so I honestly think I should probably take a day off from speaking tomorrow. Like I'm just going to switch off and not talk at all. Um, my ears hurt from headphone usage and everything else. But I have learned so much and I'm just so humbled that just how much you're still out there to learn. Like I am just amazed and so motivated by all the guests and all the speakers and moderators that we've had on. Um, so really, yeah, man, I've, I feel blessed to be part of this community, to be part of our, of our clubhouse family now. Um, it's been great. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm loving it. Like just, we'll bring James on here in a second, but he was one of the guys that we connected with a little, little while ago and just came in, added so much value, like crushing it at a high, high level. 
and uh, just super excited to bring him on. So let me pull up his bio that he sent me over and uh, we'll get rolling here. All right. So James, he's been in the industry for about two years and he just wanted to replace his income, but his growth has absolutely exploded. So right now he's got about 200 units live with another hundred units coming online by the end of Q1 of 2021. And he is just absolutely exploding. And without further ado, man, I want to let you kind of tell this story of how you got rolling and just scaled the hell out of this thing really, really quickly. So James, welcome to the show, man. Amazing. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks so much, E, and really looking forward to being with you guys today. And, you know, I just appreciate the opportunity to share and we're, we're, we're collaborating, you know, overseas. I don't know how many, how many um, podcasts you've done with UK brothers, but I'm here. I'm looking forward to it and excited to, to really get to know the American audience more. And so I appreciate the opportunity to just just to be here and just to share. So there has been, um, it's been a pretty huge roller coaster journey. Um, first things first, my, my wife and business partner kind of kicked the, the, the business off. So I've got to give her massive credit. Stephanie Murphy, I'm sure at some point you'll get to meet her as well. And um, at that point in time, we had just moved back from Sydney to the UK. I, I'm British and Steph is uh, Australian. So I, uh, I took her away from the sunshine, you know, but um, it, it's been worthwhile because we definitely didn't have the business in Australia that we've got here now. So we're grateful for what the UK has done for us. And essentially, it's a very, you know, it started off a very normal, ordinary, run-of-the-mill story. You know, we, we essentially were in a place where we were kind of having the bills pile up and we were struggling to, to keep up and we realized that the little bit of savings that we had, if we kept going the way we were going, it was going to dry up. And, um, and then it was into the negative, you know, and I'm, I'm sure at some point you, you felt that pain and, uh, and gone through that. And so a friend of ours kind of floated this idea with us uh, of, um, of what in the UK is called rent to rent and in, in the USA rental arbitrage. And so we were really interested in this concept because Stephanie's got a interior styling background and I've always loved property. We own property in Sydney. And so we, we, we were really drawn to this, this whole concept and the whole idea of being able to leverage a property that you don't own and monetize it. And so we just thought, look, we've got to give this a go. We've got to, we've got to have a crack. So we, um, we decided that we were going to put the money that we had, 5,000 pounds and 10,000 pounds know, that we took out from a loan and we use this money to get started. We got two units and these two units by month two were already cash flowing 500 pounds each. And so early on, we had this proof of concept that this, this model worked and, and it kind of got the excitement and, you know, the blood flowing. We're, we're thinking, you know, this is, we can really take this somewhere. So the next chapter of the story is we, we, essentially started a conversation with the owner of the, t- of the block that these two units and apartments were in. And we, we started having a conversation around a, a lease option. I don't know if you have lease options in, in the USA, but we basically offered to, to uh, you know, agree, agree price at today's market value to lease the properties for five years and, and the option to buy them um, a, along that journey. And somehow we managed to convince him to take uh, to agree to this lease option, and so all of a sudden we went from having two properties to having this 
this uh, block of apartments. We weren't able to operate all of them immediately, but we started off with six. And so th these six units were now cash flowing like three or four thousand pounds a month. And so we're, we're like, wow, okay, we're like almost earning as much from the, the property business in like two months um, than, than we, are, we are in our, in our normal jobs. And so we were getting very excited and we thought to ourselves, this is, this is something that we can really take somewhere. So we basically, through that lease option, getting that in place, we realized we had a model here that was scalable because we'd grown immediately from two to potentially 11 units. So we started looking for these kind of opportunities where we could grow by a number at a time. And so a couple of months later in Manchester, we secured a deal for 26 apartments. And so we grew a whole lot more and then really just kept repeating that and, uh, and, and scaling that. And by the end of the first 12 months, we had 100 properties. And so it really kind of exploded. And through that journey, you know, you're figuring out how, how, do we, how do we staff this? How do we keep this all working? You know, there's a lot of pain and a lot of challenges that we went through with that kind of growth. But I definitely feel it was the right thing. And it, and it definitely has, has paid off for us when you look at the big picture. So then year two, you know, we, we got to year two and COVID hit. And it's really interesting because, yes, initially we, we saw the impact of COVID heavily and it, it's affected margins, but we were able to uh, work with a team that was about 10 staff at that point in time, pivot the business, uh, figure out ways to creatively keep the business moving forward. And we actually essentially doubled again in that, in that second year and, um, and, and created new models in what we do, took our cleaning in-house, started really building out the interior styling and design. And so we now really have a group of companies where, where there's multiple elements of the business that are, that are bringing significant funds in. And, you know, in December we hit 250 K in revenue. Um, that is revenue of, um, you know, about half the portfolio is managed and half is operated directly. And so, um, you know, that's just counting management fees on the managed side of the portfolio, not the whole revenue, you know, and so th this is pretty significant growth for us. So, um, you know, this year, we're about to scale up another 100 units that are locked in to that 300 mark. We're really hoping we can hit 500 by the end of the year, we're looking to do about 30 every month consistently uh, launching units. And so we've got big, big dreams for the future. And we're grateful. We're grateful for, you know, great people like Mike and E that have come along on the journey and are helping us to figure out how we can grow. We don't think we've got all the answers or have arrived at any kind of destination, but very much still learning on the job and figuring out how we can be excellent in the industry and, and, and set standards. So that's kind of, oh, and by the way, through that whole journey, I've got three kids. Uh, August uh, last year, we had our third child. And so throw the family in the mix as well. Um, so it's been a pretty, pretty um, fun journey. Yeah. Wow. Damn, man. That that's is, amazing. They gave me that goosebumps. That whole story gave me goosebumps. I'm like, oh man, that's so good. So to understand, uh, so of the unit that you have now, the, the ones that you own, the, the ones that you run of your own stuff, those are all lease options or, or, or some of them lease all, options and rent to rent? 
Yeah, so a mix of like, um, I guess, I think in America, it's like master leases where we, we've um, gone direct to developer and got all the permissions in, in the UK, it's called head leases. Um, so we've got all the right permissions. And, and as a result of that, we can take floors or whole blocks uh, via developers. And that's really like where the growth comes from now. We've got several developer partnerships that work with us exclusively. Um, and so we're able to launch like to our specification, high end units in great strategic locations around the UK. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the model that we're working with. So is it about half, did you say it was like half and half, half are kind of the, the rev share management and half are the rental arbitrage? Yeah. So the, the way that we kind of transition the model, especially in the, in the last uh, few months is we essentially, we create a, a model where people that are wanting to get into the service accommodation industry, particularly um, with a turnkey setup where they can have hands-off um, investment. We basically um, allow them to sort of buy into our projects uh, as an investor, and then we manage it for them and they get the returns on that investment. And so that's kind of like, a, a big part of our business now and it, and, and so you know if anyone in, in america would like to um you know to get a, a uk you want to say that you're global and and get a uk based investment you can definitely have that conversation but you know it, it really works because one of the challenges as as we know in the short-term rental industry is it's competitive and so if you put out to market a average product, then you will um, reap the consequences of, of not, you know, of not kind of being competitive and, and real, really trailblazing. So what we do is obviously we, we provide something really high quality that investors can buy into and, and they can know that it's going to be successful and it's going to get returns. The benefit for us, you know, we get a, a, an upfront cash injection and that ongoing management. And, you know, we're, we're really starting to like pivot our in-house portfolio now towards doing developments ourselves. So the thing I didn't mention was we're, um, we're, we're building in three locations, 29 units ourselves right now. So we're doing a ground up development um, in Southport, which is near Liverpool. Um, we're doing a conversion of a five-story beautiful Georgian building in Bath, um, which is an iconic city in the UK, the Roman, Roman baths and all of that. And so we're doing a conversion of that building to super high-end apartments. We're really going to um, go all out on that project. And then we've got something on the beach in North Wales, uh, an office to, uh, to residential conversion as well. So we're trying to like really kind of take that in-house portfolio where we take the li liability and actually own. It's kind of like you, uh, Mike, with your boutique hotels. You know, it's like boutique serviced apartments, essentially. Mm. I have I so many that. ideas running through my head right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've just been the, the keys to the kingdom, you know? It's, yeah, this has, been, this has been the craziest thing about this 24-hour clubhouse is that I'm, I'm listening and then my head picks up something and it just goes down these rabbit holes in my mind of like ideas. Um, so on, um, so when you do that, so when you bring in investors and invest with you, what, if you're comfortable talking about, what kind of split are you guys talking about? So does it go on like an 80, 20 kind of, kind of feel almost like a management fee? Or what yeah. Is so, so, so the investor takes, um, the liability. So they, they pay us, um, rent, um, and we kind of, and then we pay it on to the developer and then we collect the revenue and we pay out the, uh, we pay out the, um, the profit after management fees and costs, et cetera. 
So we, 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 we charge about 15%. So it's very competitive. And even in some instances, only 12%, um, you know, the economy of scales, it makes it work. And obviously the more margin there is for the investors the more successful they are, uh, which brings us more success, you know? So if they're not successful, then it doesn't really work. So mm-hmm. that's the model. So I just want to unpack that a little bit, just to give it a little clarity. So folks can invest in say a development project with you. Yeah. Then you're taking whatever that investment is to fund the project or is it, are you taking that money to rent a property from somebody else? And then you guys are splitting the profits just so that I'm clear on, on what that model is looking like. As if they were starting the unit themselves, except they're not, they're not starting themselves because we're, we're managing it for them. So essentially it's like they were, it's like they've gone to the developers themselves and they've got the deal themselves, except without any work. So we do it all. We set it up, we, we make it look amazing and then we manage it for them as well. Um, the liability though is, is with the person, you know, taking it on because they're, they're sort of um, partnering on that investment essentially. Does that, does that so, answer the question? So there are, they almost master leasing it from the developer and then you're running it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. Okay. Perfect. So I want to kind of break down what, what that looked like for you from a business standpoint and a team standpoint to go from two to six to 100 in that first year, kind of walk us through what that evolution was. When we took the the 11, the first 11, you know, it was still sort of manageable for, for Steph and I, and we, we hired a virtual assistant I think a big part of our story is our, our, our ability to, to really work with outsourced um, workers. And I, I essentially have a model where as we progress, actually, I'll, I'll come to that in a moment. So we, we essentially were okay with the, with the first 10. And then when we took the 26, we realized, wow, this is, this is a big step up. And so <laughs> we, we brought an operations manager in to help kind of run the operations. And that was kind of our first um, UK hire and we actually as, with that 26 they were we were operating them ourselves but we also managed another 30 units that came to us very quickly um, from, from in the area around, around Manchester so we um, we kind of had 50 units in, in one kind of ge- geographical area so we hired a, a housekeeping manager to, um, to run the cleaning operation in-house uh, and that's really where things started to kind of escalate and, and us getting an understanding well we're now making significant cleaning revenue you know um what was really nice is we were able to charge those that we were managing for under market um cleaning um price price points and still have a markup so we were better than what was on what was available out there by outsourcing to a cleaning contractor um, and still have enough margin for us to make great profit. So, so that, you know, the, the model really started to evolve gradually. And then I, at January, 2019, I brought on a business development manager and uh, he's been very key to, to the growth. And so I, I kind of looked at, looked at what are, what are the steps of, of really building out a team around me of high level players, people that I know are capable and, and can really lead in their own right. And so that's kind of how we've really tried to build it out. So we, we call it our executive team. So we have six departments and, and, and we identified those. And then we just started to hire into them as and when was necessary. And now we feel like we've got a bit of a dream team, you know, that, that 
essentially each of those areas, probably with the exception of our financial department, our corporate services, they're really their own business that's kind of growing out and it's becoming like a group of companies essentially. So, you know, we hired that business development manager at the beginning of 2019, uh, 2020, sorry. Um, so, you know, with COVID, it's like, it's almost like it all blurs together, you know? Um, <laughs> So yeah, beginning of last year, uh, business development manager, and then we then we hired our head of finance around April time, and then we hired our branding and marketing head of branding and marketing, who's been a game changer for us. Brand is very important to us and and our messaging, and then we hired in August, which I mentioned on Clubhouse earlier our national quality manager, and he, he's really revolutionized the business for us. Um, you know, he, he came from a facilities management background and is a very calm operator, you know, and so he's not phased and he can walk in and just see the, the issue and, and, um, and has that, you know, just that way of thinking and that leadership ability to just really structure things and get things moving forward. So that was a big piece in the puzzle, and then, of course, oh, I forgot to mention our, our head of interiors, because when you're doing 30 to 40 uh, launches a month, you have to have a very strong interiors team that can not only get the apartments off the ground. And it's, as you guys know, it's hard work to, to launch these apartments when you're doing 10, 20 a week. It, it goes to a whole other level. And obviously, you need someone that can that can run a team and run run them hard, and you know get the work done, but also maintain that quality and excellence and that visual appeal in the process as well. So, yeah, that that's kind of like those six areas. Um, so, you know, our quality and operations, our um, business development, our interiors, our branding and marketing, our, our finance, um, you know, and, and then really our guest management. Um, are, the, are the key key areas of the business and then what we've basically done around them is we've built teams out and they all have their own virtual assistant um, that is their kind of PA um, that, so that's how we keep it lean you know um, so we have like the high level leaders in-house in the UK and then all the kind of support around it we um, we outsource to the Philippines. Mm. I love, love that. that. <clears throat> How many yeah, people love- are on the team now? Just out of curiosity in total, if you know. That's a great question. It changes every day at the moment. <laughs> um, so we're, we're, we've got, uh, I think it's like 32, but we've got about 15 job ads out right now, I think. So we'll definitely be past the 50 mark by probably the end of February, I'd say. Um, mm. So... Yeah. Do you have do you hire in-house to do the build outs or are you contracting that out when you're bu- when you're building the units like furnishing the units I mean so somebody's yeah, so designing it. them and then coordinating that yeah. Yeah, so that head of interiors role so we've we've just because we're really going to the next level this year with like 30 40 a month we've got a head of interiors and then we were kind of she was building like a team of contractors but now we've hired a stylist under her and a junior stylist and then we're going to raise them up to kind of build their own teams. And so we'll hopefully be able to run three projects at any given one time in three different locations um, and still have that kind of team of contractors that work project to project alongside our in-house team. Yeah, I love, I love a lot of what, what you're saying. And, and to me, one of the main things that um, you, you're kind of bringing up for me 
it's how why you want to grow and scale a business um, to achieve economy of scale, right? To me, that's that's one of the main advantages that yeah. I've seen in in your growth. It's really that every time you get to a next level of economy of scale, your business can really really grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that, what I've been really curious about knowing how many units you have coming coming live on a pure um, logistics, right? Where are you guys buying all your stuff? Like, are you buying things? Like, are you buying like 150 million towels all at once and you keep them in a, in a facility? Like how, like, what does that kind of, kind of look like for you guys? Or are you making towels? Do you have your own towel, towel making company yet? Well, so look at that. (laughs) First thing I want to say is when it comes to scale, I'm very, I'm very passionate about this. And it's actually interesting because there was a comment made on the clubhouse last night about, you know, um, not scaling essentially and and keeping it uh, smaller and um, and for me I love the scale because I believe the scale is where there's real freedom because when you raise up leaders around you it, it obviously it's got to come down to having the right people you know that, mm-hmm. that's fundamental but if you get the right people around you that's the thing that can elevate you to be able to 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 either step back or to, to lean in further, to create new avenues in the business, uh, to dream bigger. You know? So I think it's the very thing that gives you the possibility and the opportunity and the options. You know? um, so for me, I'm really passionate. You know, my, my program is actually called Property Scale-Up Accelerator, like my, my, my coaching and everything that I do from that point of view, because this is really like my thing now. You know? um, so anyway... Economy of scales, coming back to the question, that is um, that is very powerful, you know, in, in terms of, of scale up. And we've we've got to the point now where like our linen costs per unit, uh, you know, uh, can can be as low as like 25 pounds a month, um, you know, uh, which is probably, I don't know, 30 something dollars, uh, you know, and that can be up to like 10 to 15 changeovers, you know. So it's it's an unbelievable um you know, reduction down of those costs. And, um, and so we're doing a number of things. We are, we've just secured a warehouse. We've got our head office here, which is like two, two floors and, and the team when we're not working remotely are here. And then we've just got this warehouse and the plan is to start looking at partnerships globally where we can, we're going to start with soft furnishings and kitchen packs and, and those sorts of things and, and start to, to build out that product where other operators, other STR service accommodation operators can, can get a hold of these packages that are ready to go. They're high standard, they're high quality. And, you know, it's just easy. It's just easy, right? When you can, when you can buy a kitchen pack and it's all there rather than having to go, you know, Ikea is a big thing in the UK and people go to Ikea and they and then you forget this item, you forget that item, you got to go back out to Ikea. And, you know, so when it's organized like that, so we've got big plans for, you know, we've not decided yet whether we're going to take the, the furniture, the big ticket items in-house. We're doing, we're starting the process of investigating that and seeing whether that's viable. But um, we're definitely looking at like all the soft furnishings and, and the things that kind of put the cherry on top with, um, with the, the unit launch, essentially. Yeah. Like I, I just know for us, right. Like we've got an in-house interior designer and we typically contract out the build out, but yeah. like we're helping a student right now do a 22 unit hotel in Florida. 
right? And just the logistics of getting everything delivered timely, especially with COVID where all the production delays, it's been a nightmare. Yeah. So I can only imagine, you know, when you're doing 30 units a month or whatever, right? Like, do you have, I'm assuming you've got good partnerships with, with vendors that have yeah. the logistics in place. Cause the logistics has just been a nightmare, at least in the U S for us. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is part of like, our, our, what we're going through right now in terms of the next phase of this scale up and the hiring of, of the team alongside the head of interiors. And so we, we have some great partnerships. Um, I don't feel like we've arrived at our perfect partnerships yet. Um, you know, we, we, um, we're still, I think working on, on, the the ultimate model and essentially in, in in really rolling this out and it being super smooth and refined and like a smoothly oiled machine you know um but i think um you know to answer your question there's there's um we we, we basically try and plan like six to eight weeks ahead of time and get the so our pipeline is is full up till really may now in terms of our projects so we're we're and we're trying to get even further ahead so that's why i like working with developers because you can go okay that project's finishing in june that one's finishing in in october and you can try and schedule that in and then you can really plan ahead and it's not like you're like a deal comes across the table and you and and you, you go oh i've got to figure out how to if this is a right now thing i've got to do this right now i've got to pull the trigger and then figure out how to to make this happen so we're really trying to get organized planned ahead of time and then and that and that pipeline of 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 kind of production is there you know covid yeah, doesn't absolutely. help of course you know it, it it does make life difficult it's not always perfect things go wrong you know it's it's one of the frustrations that we find is we can we can do everything right on our end and then the developer changes the goalposts or the supplier changes the goalposts and it can throw everything out of whack you know so that is probably one of the major challenges with with our setup yeah of course yeah and what is this what do the systems look like for you now because i'm assuming that's evolved for you too right between the different pmss and the technology and all that stuff to help you create all those automations too yeah, obviously there's different departments and it, it looks different you know depending on the um the area but starting like with with guest booking etc we um we're currently using zivu um, which is a, a great, great provider. What we have really enjoyed about Zivu, it's a nice little plug for Naeem, who's the owner of Zivu. Um, you know, we've really enjoyed the direct booking side of it and the control. Um, essentially, a guest can't book without us taking them through the full... They can't, they can't get access without us taking them through our full verification process. I heard that you were with Guesty, um, and I was with Guesty before, and... Um, one of the, you know, lots of things I love about Guesty. Um, one of the challenges we faced was people booking in, in the 11th hour. It may have been updated by now because um, I know they're innovating all the time. And, and then maybe there'd be a party or something similar. Um, with Zivu, like we had 200 units New Year's Eve. Uh, there has been a culture in service accommodation in the UK since COVID has kicked in because clubs and, and all the rest of it aren't open that people have targeted uh, short-term rentals and service accommodation to have parties and that kind of thing and so we've really worked on all of this systemization to protect our units and protect our investors assets and all the rest of it and so um we had new year's eve and we didn't have a single problem didn't get a single phone call and you know that's because of some of these 
protocols that we have in place. We're um, we're innovating some things in the UK. Uh, have you heard of Fresh Air? Um, no, I haven't. Yeah. So again, another plug for um, for a provider. Uh, Fresh Air is it doesn't exist in the UK yet, but we're bringing it to the UK. Um, we're finalising things. Um, maybe I'm talking a little bit prematurely, but um, Fresh Air essentially allows. Uh, you plug it in, you hardwire it into the, the the apartment, and if anyone smokes nicotine or cannabis, I have heard of this. Yes, yeah, mm. it, it gives wireless scientific evidence that they have smoked either nicotine or cannabis. Oh and my so, goodness! Even I love if they prove all all evidence and try and say we didn't do it, you can send that to Airbnb and say here's the scientific evidence that will hold up in court. By the way, um, that they were smoking in the unit we need to charge the security deposit, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. these are the sort of things that we're implementing, like uh, uh, minute noise alarms, all that kind of thing. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Um, we, we have our security guards um, on, on link to with our VAs so that if there's any triggers in terms of concerns about parties or, or breaches of, of um, terms and conditions, they get, immediately notified brought out um and then you know essentially if someone has broken the rules they can't leave reviews because we then can evidence to um to be you know vrbo booking.com airbnb that they broke our terms and conditions and so we've got some pretty robust um patterns and systems in place is it a hundred percent we're working on it you know <laughs> um we're, we're almost there um but you know that that that's that's in terms of guest management. Um, what are the systems? Obviously, we've taken our cleaning in house, so we we um, the majority of our cleaning is done apart from our new launch areas in house. And so there's a lot that we've done from that point of view: branding our cleaners, giving them ownership. They have their own handbook. Um, you know, we really train them as as much as we can uh, and um, equip them, make them feel a part of things team meetings etc uh, and and then one of the things actually i learned earlier is we, we're not on um is it get properly was mentioned i think earlier uh, yeah we up. used ter- we were using turnover bnb but very similar to properly yeah there we go so um you know we, we we're definitely we've been sort of investigating all that um kind of thing at the moment and and about to pull the trigger on that so you know some areas we feel like we're there. Some areas we feel like we're still um, refining and innovating. Um, I, I'd say one of the, the 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 areas that we've really taken the systemization and automation to the nth degree would be in converting bookings and pricing. So obviously you've heard of Price Labs or um, Beyond. You know, um, there's a few different tools. We use Price Labs. Um, I didn't feel like it was giving me as much control as I wanted. And so we hired a virtual assistant that is, is like a revenue pricing specialist. All she does all day, every day is zone in, laser in on whatever's happening across the portfolio, tweaks the price, prices, maximizes the, the, the occupancy. And that is that is, she pays her salary over and over and over and over, uh, you know, Pricing can be so sensitive with this method. We, we, we've literally had it where it'll be like 80, 87 pounds. We've got four apartments empty, 86 pounds, four apartments em- empty, 85 pounds, four apartments empty, 84 pounds. 
within one hour, everything gets booked. Mm. So when, when you really kind of zone in on that pricing and, and, and you've got someone on top of price labs, really working those, those angles, we, we found great success with that. And then, um, the OTAs wouldn't want to hear this, but we work pretty hard on converting the, um, the bookings over as well. Um, you know, you've got to work with them, but then you also have got to, there's a, you know, there's that fine line between, between leveraging what they bring and then trying to obviously move it in house. So, yeah. yeah. Somebody on clubhouse yesterday mentioned, uh, that stay which I thought was interesting. So that when guests go to use the internet, they have to log in with their email. So you, it collects uh, all the emails for you. I was like, that's that's smart. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down. That that's on one my clubhouse notes. Yeah, one of the things Zivu does, which makes it so great, is it um, you, you, basically the, the guest, um, once they book, they then get sent an email and they have to kind of confirm their booking. And so you, you capture all of those details. That's why it's kind of phrased the direct booking revolution. Um, so mm. we, we have like thousands and thousands of guest emails that we can retarget and, you know, and, and, and reconnect with. So, but there's some great stuff out there from that point of view. Hmm. And it's just going to keep evolving. There's always new tools. And I feel like, I feel like every year I'm like reworking and tinkering all my systems because there's always new tech and always new ways to optimize things. And especially when you're at massive scale, those yeah. little tweaks create six figure bumps, right? Yes. Like it, it just magna, it amplifies everything. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, um, one of the things with Guesty that um, that I realized is we were paying them like twenty thousand a month in commission, you know. So four percent or, or three three point five percent or whatever it was at the time. But when it's done at like that scale, it adds up very very quickly. Um, and so we, um, you know, you, you're right. Like little little adjustments, one percent can be a huge amount of revenue and profit. And so if you, I have a principle, if you just try and get 1% better every single day, have you heard that saying before? Oh yeah. Yeah. 1% better every day. You'll be 37 times mathematically better in a year's time. And so that's kind of, we apply that to the business. I always say to the team, we're not trying to do it all at once. We're just trying to day by day, add little tweaks, little changes, get a little bit better, improve, improve, improve. Mm. That's that's such a great advice also to the people listening, right? Like if, if you're listening and you hear how quickly James has has grown, you might think that he approached everything at once, but he just told you it's just about getting 1% better. So it's, it's, it's really a matter of like going, taking that 1% of action every day to kind of move a little bit forward. Um, so James, so I would love to bring you back to, um, and, and I think that's going to be valuable for the people listening is, Let's say that, and this was a clubhouse question yesterday, right? Let's say that you had to restart this all over again, right? And you and your wife just moved back from yeah. Australia. Knowing what you learn now, what would you tell somebody? Like how, what would you do? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting question. I, I, when, when the question was asked last night, I actually, uh, or, or maybe it was the night before, I actually had to, um, I had to, I had to think about it um, because sometimes the growth is so rapid um, and you're just going through it all, you know, and, and, and having that time to really reflect and go, um, you know, what, what could have been better about the process? I think something that definitely came to mind for me was early on 
we we had the the first kind of win with the with taking the the block on and that was talking with the owner uh, along the way there were other deals that we took on where there was a number of levels of hierarchy um that were involved in like that deal essentially and um i definitely would if i could go back and and talk to myself and say do something different i'd say try and get to the decision maker whether it's the owner or someone that has really all the influence because um, we have paid the price in different ways by not being in contact with the right level of authority in in particular partnerships that we've had so you know obviously um that's not necessarily going to be relevant to to everyone but i would say that you know if you want to grow the the way that you connect with partners is so important and you know and i i think there's something powerful not to not to write off different staff levels in any kind of organization but i think there's something powerful when you can be like owner to owner and have like a level of rapport um with someone and and there's a relationship there and then they're not they're not going to burn you because you know if if there's something that needs to be worked out they're going to tell their levels of staff come on just sort it out like you know james is one of our key key guys you know or whatever and it just it just makes it so much simpler um you know in terms of navigating because i i believe in partnership and i think if you do want to grow and i and i'm definitely going to cater my content to people that want to grow because i think it's um you know i i think it's a part of life and i think um partnerships are everything that's what this podcast is all about that's why i'm here connecting with with mike and e because it's partnership you know and who who knows what kind of um synergy there's going to be between us even in the future and um you know i think i would just really say to myself put everything into the 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 relationships and the partnerships right from the word go yeah 100% it's funny i was watching um i don't know if you've seen grant cardone has a new show on discovery channel called yeah, undercover I, well, billionaire i just watched um with um the first season to get ready and kind of um with um what's his name cut kerns um glenn glenn glenn, kerns, uh, I think. glenn something, something like that. yeah, yeah. But um, the the thing that I found fascinating that tied into your point was the first thing that Grant does when they drop him, he's like, this hundred bucks is nothing. This isn't yeah. going to get me anything. I need people. I need to start networking immediately and figure out who are the players in town. And that was yeah. his first strategy. Yeah. Um, but I do want to be respectful of your time here. So uh, before we get into the last question, where can folks learn more about you, your properties, investment opportunities, coaching, like where can folks find out more about you? Yeah, I mean, the, the simplest way, um, you know, is to, I've got a, a social media manager. And so if you follow me on Instagram, James Z Murphy, um, you can just reach out in the DM and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get in touch from there. Just say that you heard, heard the content on the, on the podcast and, um, and, and that will come through to us that, that, you know, without, we, we've got website and, you know, lots of other stuff going on, but if you really want to get straight in touch and, and book a call in and, and chat about strategy really around growing your business. And that that's the quickest way. Love it. I love it. Well, again, I want to acknowledge you. Thank you for coming on here and just say congratulations on all the success. I can't wait to, you know, we're going to be keeping in touch for sure. Um, yeah. But just kind of follow your journey 
and just, just see where you end up. Hopefully hit that 500 units this year and just keep on going, man. And so yeah, the well, last that, question, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, I, I, I can't wait to get started in the USA. I'm, 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 I'm definitely, that's definitely like a, a priority for me right now is getting units in the USA. So, um, you know, I'm going to be flying over there. I'm sure we'll be hanging out, you know, it's, um, it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I love that. Looking forward to it. And I love the idea of the Victorian Roman bathhouse. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to seeing what you guys do with that. Um, yeah, it's going to be amazing. So the last question that we ask all of our guests is what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals? I feel like I covered it in the last point, but I, to be honest I know, that's you, my I, bad. Sorry. I didn't think about asking that question that was going to kind of set you up to kind of limit you on this one. Oh, okay. Well, let me say this. So, so close friends to me say that, you know, um, I've, I've heard them kind of say to me, um, and I, I've got it, you know, I, I'm speaking humbly when I say this, but just trying to give perspective um, that my superpower is the ability to take risks and see opportunity. And I think, you know, if you're going to go somewhere, you've got to, you've got to be on, on the risk scale, you've got to be more towards the, the, the end of the spectrum where you, you, you're willing to take some risks. And I, I, I feel like pretty much, the vast majority of our growth and opportunity has come because we've either taken risks on people um, and seen gold um, in people, or we've seen um, gold in, a, in an opportunity. We've seen gold in a, in a partnership and we've, we've taken a, a risk on that, stepped into something that sometimes, you know, was way bigger than where we were at. And, um, and you could shy away in fear, but for me, um, you know, being able to step out and, 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 and I guess, you know, in some ways put it on the line. They always say that every millionaire goes broke once. So that we can't, we can't let fear of bankruptcy be, be a, be a limitation because, you know, it, it could be the very thing that sets you up for your future. So I, I just think step out of the boat, you know, have a go, take a risk. And it's not particularly relevant to STR in some ways, but it, it very much is, you know, because I think this is an incredible industry to be in. And if you can, if you can take that risk and you can step foot into it and you can, and you can give it a go, uh, get the right support around you and the rest can be history. All your dreams can be realized. Mm. So good. That was, that was so good. good. I guess putting you against the ropes was actually good. Cause that was, <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Well, thank you again for coming on here, James. Truly, truly appreciate you being here, man. And uh, looking forward to staying in touch and seeing all your success. It's great. Thank you so much. Looking forward to it. Appreciate, you know, I'm very privileged to have been here with with you both and um, consider it a real honor. So thanks once again. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, STR Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.